As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello friends, I'm Rick Warren and welcome to Spurgeon's Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped and guided by Charles Spurgeon who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. Jesus at Bethesda, or Waiting Changed for Believing, a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, part three. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another Steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. The sick man by the pool at Bethesda so often disappointed, was growing into deep despair. Moreover, he was becoming old, for 38 years is a long time out of a man's life. He felt that he should soon die. The brittle thread was nearly snapped, and so as the days and nights wearily wore on, though he waited, it became heavy work to wait. My friend, is not this your case? Life is wearing away with you. Are there not grey hairs here and there? You have waited all this while in vain, and I warn you that you have sinfully waited. You have seen others saved. Your child is saved. 
Your wife is converted, but you are not. And you are waiting, and will wait, I fear, till to the tune of earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. The mould shall rattle on your coffin lid, and your soul shall be in hell. Do not, I pray you, play with time any longer. Say not, there is time enough, for the wise man knows that time enough is little enough. Be not like the foolish drunkard who, staggering home one night, saw his candle lit for him. Two candles, said he, for his drunkenness made him see double. I will blow out one. And as he blew it out, in a moment he was in the dark. Many a man sees double through the drunkenness of sin. He thinks that he has one life to sow his wild oats in, and then the last part of life in which to turn to God. So like a fool, he blows out the only candle that he has, and in the dark he will have to lie down forever. Haste thee, traveller. You have but one sun, and when that sets, you will never reach your home. God help you to make haste now. Let us look at the physician himself. As we have already seen, our Lord on this occasion walked forgotten and neglected through the throng of paralysed folk. No one crying, Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. No struggling woman seeking to touch the hem of his garment that she might be made whole. All were desirous of being healed, but either no one knew or no one trusted him. What a strange, soul-sickening sight it was, for Jesus was quite able and willing to heal and to do it all without fee or reward and yet none sought him. Is this scene to be repeated this morning? Jesus Christ is able to save you, my hearers. There is no heart so hard that he cannot soften it. There is no man among you so lost that Jesus cannot save him. Blessed be my dear master, no case ever did defeat him. His mighty power reaches beyond the uttermost of all the depths of human sin and folly. If there be a harlot here, Christ can cleanse her. If there be a drunkard or a thief here, the blood of Jesus can make them white as snow. If you have any desire towards him, you have not gone beyond the reach of his pierced hand. If you are not saved, it is certainly not for want of power in the Saviour. Moreover, your poverty is no hindrance, for my master asks nothing from you. The poorer the wretch, the more welcome to Christ. My master is no covetous priest who demands pay for what he does. He forgives us freely. He wants none of your merits, nothing whatever from you. Come as you are to him, for he is willing to receive you as you are. But here is my sorrow and complaint that this blessed Lord Jesus, though present to heal, receives no attention from the majority of men, 
they are looking another way and have no eyes for him. Yet Jesus was not angry. My master is not wrathful with you who forget him and neglect him, but he pities you from his heart. I am but his poor servant, but I pity from my inmost heart those of you who live without Christ. I could fain weep for you who are trying other ways of salvation, for they will all end in disappointment, and if continued in, will prove to be your eternal destruction. Observe very carefully what the Saviour did. Looking around amongst the whole company, he made an election. He had a right to make what choice he pleased, and he exercised that sovereign prerogative. The Lord is not bound to give his mercy to everyone or to anyone. He has freely offered it to you all. But as you reject it, he has now a double right to bless his chosen ones by making them willing in the day of his power. The Saviour selected that man out of the great multitude. We know not why, but certainly for a reason founded in grace. If we might venture to give a reason for his choice, it may be that he selected him because his was the worst case and he had waited the longest of all. This man's case was in everybody's mouth. They said, this man has been there eight and thirty years. Our Lord acted according to his own eternal purpose, doing as he pleased with his own. He fixed the eye of his electing love upon that one man, and going up to him, he gazed upon him. He knew all his history, he knew that he had been a long time in that case, and therefore he pitied him much. He thought of those dreary months and years of painful disappointment which the paralysed man had suffered, and the tears were in the master's eyes. He looked and looked again at that man, and his heart yearned towards him. Now I know not whom Christ intends to save this morning by his effectual grace. I am bound to give the general call. It is all that I can do. But I know not where the Lord will give the effectual call, which alone can make the word saving. I should not wonder if he should call some of you who have been waiting long. I will bless his name if he does. I should not marvel if electing love should reach to the chief of sinners this day. If Jesus should look on some of you who never looked on him until his look shall make you look and his pity shall make you have pity upon yourselves and his irresistible grace shall make you come to him that you may be saved. Jesus performed an act of sovereign distinguishing grace. I pray you do not kick at this doctrine. If you do, I cannot help it, for it is true. I have preached the gospel to every one of you as freely as man can do it, and surely you who reject it ought not to quarrel with God for bestowing on others 
that which you do not care to receive. If you desire his mercy, he will not deny it to you. If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you will not seek his mercy, rail not on the Lord if he bestows it upon others. Jesus, having looked upon this man with a special eye of regard, said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? I have already hinted that this was not said because Christ wanted information, but because he wished to arouse the man's attention. On account of its being the Sabbath, the man was not thinking of being cured, for to the Jew it seemed a most unlikely thing that cures should be wrought on a Sabbath day. Jesus, therefore, brought his thoughts back to the matter in hand. For mark you, the work of grace is a work upon a conscious mind, not upon senseless matter. Jesus saves men and women who have the use of their senses, and his salvation is a work upon a quickened intellect and awakened affections. Jesus brought back the wandering mind with the question, Wilt thou be made whole? Indeed, the man might have said, Indeed, I desire it above all things. I long for it. I pant for it. Now, my dear hearer, I will ask the same question of you. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you desire to be saved? Do you know what being saved is? Oh, say you, it is escaping from hell. No, no, no. That is the result of being saved. But being saved is a different thing. Do you want to be saved from the power of sin? Do you desire to be saved from being covetous, worldly-minded, bad-tempered, unjust, ungodly, domineering, drunken or profane? Are you willing to give up the sin that is dearest to you? No, says one, I cannot honestly say I desire all that. Then, you are not the one I am seeking this morning. But there is one here who says, yes, I long to be rid of sin, root and branch. I desire by God's grace this very day to become a Christian and to be saved from sin. Well, then, as you are already in a state of thoughtfulness, let us go a step further and observe what the Saviour did. He gave the word of command, saying, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. The power by which the man arose was not in himself, but in Jesus. There was not the mere sound of the word which made him rise, but it was the divine power which went with it. I do believe that Jesus still speaks through his ministers. I trust that he speaks through me at this moment, when in his name I say to you who have been waiting at the pool, wait no longer, but this moment believe in Jesus Christ. Trust him now. I know that my word will not make you do it, but if the Holy Spirit works through the word, you will believe.
Trust Christ now, poor sinner. Believe that he is able to save you. Believe it now. Rely upon him to save you this moment. Repose upon him now. If you are enabled to believe, the power will come from him, not from you. And your salvation will be effected not by the sound of the word, but by the secret power of the Holy Spirit, which goes with that word. I pray you observe that although nothing is said about faith in the text, yet the man must have had faith. Suppose you had been unable to move hand or foot for 38 years, and someone said at your bedside, rise. You would not think of trying to rise. You would know it to be impossible. You must have faith in the person who uttered the word, or else you would not make the attempt. I think I see the poor man, there he is, a heap, a writhing bundle of tortured nerves and powerless muscles, yet Jesus says, rise, and up he rises in a moment. Take up thy bed, says the master, and the bed is carried. Here was the man's faith. The man was a Jew, and he knew that according to the Pharisees, it would be a very wicked thing for him to roll up his mattress and carry it on the Sabbath. But because Jesus told him, he asked no questions, but doubled up his couch and walked. He did what he was told to do, because he believed in him who spoke. Have you such faith in Jesus, poor sinner? Do you believe that Christ can save you? If you do, then I say to you in his name, trust him. Trust him now. If you trust Jesus, you shall be saved this morning, saved on the spot, and saved forever. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.